dear listener, you are tuned in to Beginnings, a podcast of book readings written and read by Cecily Riley. Episode 4, Cadillac. The leather of the front seats was oily, as if the old car had seen too many of us napping. The white blazing sun shone down on St. Anne Street like one of those Hollywood searchlights. Brightness had absorbed sound. Everything rested in this part of the French Quarter, except Hank and me. We sat in the back seat of that Cadillac as if we had made an appointment there and hadn't noticed the rolled-down windows. We just sat there, unable to speak and unable to leave. How had we managed to get ourselves into such a tight spot? It didn't help that the police drove down the street regularly, keeping an eye out for lost or mugged tourists. Neither one of us could do something stupid, but I'm not sure that either one of us wanted to. That's why we were stuck. We didn't want to make any waves, but we had to conclude our difference of opinion somehow. I knew he wasn't real. I could see through him from time to time. But then so could he. Every time we had met, he had read me like an open book. Of course, his perceptions were clouded by all the preconceived notions he had about me and my kind. But he had known me. He had read my mind. When we sat in that interrogation room for hours on end, he had played me like a fiddle. He had found out about my attachment to my family, still living in the slums left by Hurricane Katrina, or the beignets I ate any time I could find any and afford them. But then he had died. I had seen it on the second or third day of the demonstrations. He stood in full gear with his buddies in a line across Canal Street, smiling a cold, slow smile at me as soon as he spotted me beneath my BLM cardboard sign. I didn't think much of it at the time. I imagined he was going to create some situation to do to me what he hadn't been allowed to do in that interrogation room. I knew I should have been scared, and I should have walked away, but the fervor of that moment was too strong to go home. I wanted to fight that battle with my brothers and sisters, and no redneck cop with an attitude was going to get to me. I remained calm and focused, and stood my ground. Some of us, unfortunately, couldn't bear the tension any more. The condescending smiles and the catcalling from the men in blue at the other end of the street were eating their way through everybody's nerves. The protesters started marching forward, slowly but all the more menacing for it. Then things moved pretty quickly. The tear gas filled the wide street, the shouts and the screams of the opponents clashing filled the sky, and I stood frozen unable to choose a side, like he had said in the interrogation room. Then I saw him being singled out by a few guys in hoodies, 
like they do in their weird rodeos with the calves. The guys grabbed him by the ankles as he tried to run back to his unit. He fell forward. His hands were full of gear, transparent shield and tear gas gun. He had lost his helmet moments before. He fell face first and was dead an instant later. His pursuers tried to scatter as quickly as possible as soon as they noticed he wasn't moving. His colleagues easily caught up with them all. I had seen all that the day before. And yet here we were, Hank the cop, interrupting my nap in my grandmother's car to ask for my help to save his daughter.